0: Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Fact. That. That's the name of the guests on Talks podcast this week fat properties if you're not following them on instagram or facebook or any of their visual platforms what are you doing you need to follow them i'm telling you their properties are stunning inside they create student hmos in the north up there out of the m25 way up there near their home now they create it for students, and you know I think a lot of investors want to supply to students, want to supply to professionals, want to have HMOs, but fat properties really take the care of their tenants and the properties to another level. You know, in terms of the way they manage them, their interaction with the tenants, their face-to-face time and conversations with them, are probably very different to what most investors do, and I think you know it's not for everyone. Some people just want to totally hands-off, totally sort of, you know, hear no evil, see no evil approach, and that's cool, but the way Philippa and Tom do this is amazing, whilst balancing raising kids and dogs, because of course dogs take, you know, a lot of effort to raise, and obviously kids are, you know, kids. Um, I'm joking. So have a listen to this episode, and you know, this intro is going to be short, because really you have to go look at them on Instagram or Facebook, and then you'll totally understand what I'm talking about. If you haven't left a review for Tech Talks, please do. The best way to do it is to go on the Facebook page. uh, And I think on the left, it says reviews or feedback. Click on that and just write a little message. Much obliged. Uh, If not, and you're on iTunes or Apple, you can go to the podcast app right down to the bottom and click write a review. Thank you. Fat Properties, A.K.A. Philippa and Tom, welcome to the Tedge Talks podcast. Hi, Ted.
1: Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah. No, thank
0: you for coming on. I think me and me and um, Tom have been going back and forth for a while now, trying to get this booked in. Don't know how long it's been, but I'm I'm so glad that we're, we're finally here because I've followed you on Instagram for I think you know, since I've had it uh, in property, and I've always loved your designs, the things you post, and just your general. Um, kind of vibe that I get from Instagram so I thought you know what I need to get these two on the show because there's going to be a lot of value you can add and then today I opened up YPN magazine and there you are so um, you know you're celebrities so I'm very uh, very happy to have you on so before we get into kind of you know your property investments and, and what fact properties is and about what were you doing before property and I have a feeling you're going to say you've always been involved in property but tell us mm-hmm. You've obviously
1: uh, not read the article.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got actually, how many days left now? Uh, when's like five days left of my day job? Um, next Wednesday, I don't know if I can count properly, although I'm not, I'm not working on Monday. Anyway, however many days that is, I'm about to finish the day job for good to be in flat properties 100% of the time. Which which is which is very exciting. Uh, I'm a I'm a landscape architect by profession by training. Um, so I used to work in a design practice, designing uh, you know kind of external spaces, public realm, um, you know commercial residential things like that. And that's where me and Philip met. And then for the past nine years, I've worked in a kind of landscape and planning consultancy. So working more on the plan of planning. Um, side of things, you know, basically kind of aiming to get planning consent for developers. Um, and yes, we've kind of been building flat properties up and it's now at the point where um, it can not only sustain Philippa, but it can sustain the both of us and needs and the both of us in it full time. So it's exciting times. Yeah. So,
1: oh, sorry, my, um, my background, I trained as an architect um, and then worked in urban regeneration and spent 15 years working in the UK and in Australia on large urban regeneration projects. And then we moved back from Australia and came to the Lake District where there's not much urban regeneration happening. And we... Um, so that was an understatement. <laughs> and we decided that, yeah, we were we were wanting to have kids at the time. So, um, yeah, we that was eight years ago or coming up to eight years ago. And, yeah, we had to look around for other options sort of property options could we go into could I go into because obviously I wanted to continue working but now I was in the late district um I wanted to use my skills um and yeah so so basically we found student accommodation and um yeah started investing in property and yeah that was that was about seven years ago now, six, seven years ago. And yeah, we've been doing it ever since as well uh, around sort of building a family, building the portfolio and building a, a family as well. So we've now got three children and um, yeah, property developing has enabled me to work from home uh, and be a full-time mum. So thankfully I've never been out. I've never had to miss any, um, any school shows or, School pickups or anything, so it's yeah, it's been it's allowed me to do that, which has been absolutely fantastic. And now Tom joining the company as well, full time, which would be brilliant!
0: Wow, so a portfolio of kids and a portfolio of properties. (laughs) I I like that. I can can tell you which ones are harder work. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. So, you live in the Lake District. What, how did you then? Because this is something that you know, new property investors, whether they live in London or the north or wherever, they're always like, Okay. Where do I invest? Like, how did you know? And I guess now, how do you know? And what's your criteria for where you'll invest, and then what you'll invest in?
2: So we we spent a long time looking around at all the different options. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously you've got your, your regular old kind of buy-to-let, single-let. Um, we looked at we looked at those. We looked at um, you know holiday accommodation or service accommodation, as it's kind of Terms now, but you know, that's, that's nothing new kind of around the lately shaped. Obviously people have been money in holiday accommodation for, you know, I don't know, since people invented holidays, I'm sure. So, so that was an obvious option to us. We looked at that, we looked at, you know, we both used to live in Manchester, so we looked at kind of apartments in Manchester and do that. Um, And then we came across um, kind of student accommodation and and yeah, Lancaster is it's about half an hour drive from uh, where we live. It's a good location. It's got two universities. I mean, Lancaster University is kind of one of the top ten in the UK consistently. It has, you know, it's on the M6. It's on the West Coast Mainline. It's got lots of stuff going for a big regional hospital. So it's got lots of plus points, lots of demand for shared housing. And we knew we wanted to be... Certainly, initially, we wanted to be relatively hands-on. So, you know, the ability to drive there in half an hour, all those plus points, the obvious cash flow benefits of HMOs, um, it kind of, yeah, you know, once we'd looked into it, you know, uh, properly, it became a no-brainer, really
1: it's uh, just for me to jump in it was also because it was going to be my career as well i wanted to do something and work with people that i really wanted to work with um and the student idea i used to to have a student um i used to run a student accommodation when i was at university i the first property i ever bought i actually um it was when i was i was studying my postgraduate diploma in architecture and i let out two of the bedrooms to pay for my mortgage so that I could you know continue to be a, to pay for my accommodation basically, and then when I moved to London uh, for my first job, I let out my flat as well, so two students so twenty years later or fifteen years later we're back yeah. doing the same thing um, so it was really it was a really great thing to do um, and working with students yeah. and, and you know and and chatting to the students and being a part of sort of student life was you know really exciting so that's another reason why we went into it and we chose you know student accommodation
0: Mm. and you know when people start out again a a common worry especially with with HMOs or co-living spaces which I know you do is that oh you know someone many people are going to have the same idea that you just said right about the area you're investing in so how did you I mean did you see saturation or lots of competition and how did you kind of view that did you just think you know what? They're a bit meh. We're going to make ours pretty awesome, and we're going to do better anyway. Or did it put you off slightly? Uh,
1: no, we we really researched the area. We looked around a lot of student accommodation, and to be honest, I was quite horrified that since I was a student, when I was I studied at Leeds to start with, and I was looking at accommodation. I lived in in a student house there. There were six of us living in the house, and going back around this student accommodation now in lancaster a such, lot a long
2: of the, time later. such a long time later <laughs>
1: not not a, not a lot had changed and i was absolutely horrified that you know people were allowed to still um let out this accommodation to students and you know we'd obviously changed we got older and you know we, we'd were hopefully living in nicer accommodation then but I just I just couldn't believe that it was still allowed to happen that students were allowed to live like this um so we wanted to do something about it so that's that was our mission to you know to provide there was a complete gap in the market for well-designed student accommodation um and yeah and that's that's how we that's what we went for and, and really designed the spaces so there's lots of daylight lots of natural daylight lots of space um and since then yeah we've been booked up since then haven't we and we just mm. there's just such a demand for it and each year we get and you know we're completely oversubscribed and uh which is brilliant you know so we're just buying more and more properties so that we can you know put put more students in in better accommodation
0: yeah and you know from hearing what you're saying and, and looking at your instagram page and everyone will once they've listened to this i can tell that they're there's a real purpose and ethos behind fat properties it's not just we invest in property for financial freedom uh here's a hmo yep 6.5 meters squared yep uh magnolia walls done there's a lot more to it so how would you describe your sort of like ethos and, and how do you apply that to the physicalness of a property
1: well, we, I mean, there are lots of reports that are out now. I mean, you'll see it in the headlines. There's, um, you know, mental health is a, is a big, huge, huge um, problem that's out there at the moment. I, I mean, everybody has mental health problems. Everybody has mental health. You know, there's good and bad mental health. But there's a lot of young people um, in this country that, that really, you know, in the UK, that are really suffering, and especially at university, the um, statistics now one in three have a mental health problem and that's alarming that is really alarming especially for us that we've got three kids you know that's one in three um, young adults with mental health issues so knowing that and being an accommodation provider it is our duty to provide you know well designed um, accommodation for these young people so we we design everything with you know would we live in a, in accommodation like this we go round into you know into all our accommodation all these houses that we see um our first look around is is like you know would we live in, in this type of house um would it suit us would our kids be able to live in this and if the answer is no we'll walk out straight away um if the answer is yes then we you know it's not at that stage that obviously we'll we'll move in you know we, we've got to do a lot of work to it but if the physical space and um, the location is right then you know we can start start looking at it as an option
0: and you know these designs and these things that you're doing you know you mentioned before lead to you being oversubscribed so would you say that the kind of maybe maybe the old school traditional approach to property is literally just build a portfolio, get tenants in, whatever, buy, see you later, is not gonna make you and you know anyone in general as successful as, for example, someone like yourselves or others who really have a purpose and mission behind it. Or do you think they can both still kind of exist and be good?
2: Look, I I, I think here's my take on this. Um, there are it's kind of like a bell curve, you know. There's lots of people. Um, doing kind of public development. There's some that are doing really fantastic stuff at the kind of top end of the bell curve where there's you know low numbers. There's a few people doing some really, you know, awful stuff. We bought a couple recently that have been quite literally quite horrendous. Um, and there's a lot of people in the middle. You know, that, that that's where the bulk of of people are. And you know, with anything, the middle place is almost the most dangerous place to be because there's, you know, maximum competitiveness probably slightly less demand um, where you want to be is at either end, not on quality, you don't want to be at the bottom end of quality, but, you know, you might compete on price, you might compete on quality at the top end. Um, and what we realised was, I suppose what has worked for us is um, at some point, I think at some point last year, kind of early on last year, we were planning uh, the latest house that we did, the one that's kind of photographed in uh, in YPN. <clears throat> and we would had, it was the first one we'd done with an investor. And we were looking at it, and yeah, it was a really big, spacious house. And we thought, look, this could be a six-bedroomed house with some really fantastic, very spacious communal areas. Or it could be a seven-bedroom house and, you know, communal spaces would still be acceptable. It'd still work, you know, on paper. And we were kind of stuck in this quandary of, our, you know, we've got an investor now. Should we be, you know, prioritizing, um, you know, the bottom line and in the investment returns? Or should we be prioritizing our, you know, our, ultimately our customers, our students? We went back and forth, back and forth. And then we kind of realized, hold on a minute. We, you know, why are we doing this? We're not doing this purely to make money. Okay, that's not that's not the be all and end all. We're in this to provide great spaces, to design great spaces. And once we, you know, we've kind of been designers all our, you know, all our professional lives, and we have this, you know, we build this understanding of, you know, how design affects people and how it affects, you know, your behavior and your mood and stuff like that. And what we realized was, yes, that's that's what we're about and as soon as we realized that you know firstly the decision became very clear um that okay we're not going to go for that seventh bedroom we're going to go for the you know go for the six rooms and we're going to prioritize communal space and yeah you know, we did that and you know design the interiors and it was all very nice and um you know lo and behold you know because it was such a nice house it was you know it was in demand and it got very good rents and You know, the kind of money took care of itself, but it was really a lesson in, look, don't, you know, don't just prioritize numbers and money. You know, that's just kind of entry level requirements to me. You know, if you think about brands and successful companies, yeah, they've got to turn a profit. They've got to be, you know, they've got to be uh, commercial and, and, and make money. Of course, everyone understands that. But. That's not where. That's not why people are loyal to brands. That's not what people attracts. That's not what attracts people to brands or to companies or to people. People are attracted to those, you know, people companies with a clear, you know, purpose and with values and that have the, I suppose, the kind of the backbone to to stand by those values and live up to those values. And we just started, you know really thinking about our values more and that it was design and it was you know kind of customer service and beyond that kind of the whole customer experience and um you know the well-being of the students and that's what we were prioritizing and we just put that into the world in you know a few you know social media posts and um blog posts and you know podcasts and magazine articles and um you know that has done taking that approach of saying this is what we're about. If you're about that too, great, come and talk to us. If you're not about that, hey, that's fine as well. But there's no point wasting our time with each other because we're not, you know, we're probably not destined to, you know, to work together. Or you're, you know, you're you're not the kind of, you know, the tenant for us. If you're looking for something different, and that's it's worked out very well. I think people I think people like that and respect that, even if they have completely different values, they still respect that you are operating you know in line with what you believe
0: yeah i think that's really so important. that was a rather long answer wasn't <laughs> it? no no i think it's it's really important because it can it can be quite easy you know to be in that situation you're in where you're thinking oh you know what it'll just be easier for the bottom line for the investor if we just you know do something that's out of line with our values or core behaviors but actually yeah. the right kind of investor for you will align with these values absolutely and, Absolutely, and you'll know them. So, you know, if we go back to that that time when you had your first co living HMO space, like, talk me through the first deal. What was it? What were the costs? What What does it rent out for?
2: Oh, blimey! You know, it was. I mean, we got it. We got it years ago now, um, and it was. um, I think we picked out for about one sixty five, something like that. But I mean, even there, you know, the numbers. I mean again I guess the question for us is what's the yardstick that we're measuring things by, and you know is it purely numbers or is it something different you know and it's um for me it, it not for me for us you know it's a hundred percent about yes, look, we want you know the numbers and we you know we want it to work and it's going to turn a profit, but it's really about the quality of the space and how satisfied are our tenants in there um you know ultimately at the end of the day when we get good testimonials when we get word of mouth recommendation when we even get parents contacting us saying you know my child has absolutely loved it you know it was such a relief for me as a parent to have you know my daughter in a great house with great um feeling
1: safe feeling safe exactly that is
2: you know, and being
1: like, able to achieve her her grades yeah, and things it, like that it, by it, being in this space. It, 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 exactly.
2: You know, it's like, um, yeah. Look, we you know we've paid our bills. Okay, that's that box ticked. Beyond that, it's you know it's those kind of qualitative things that we you know try and um, you know measure things by.
0: Yeah. Okay. But for the viewers to, I mean, for the listeners to sort of just understand. I guess, what it costs, right, to get to the kind of level of design and comfort and safety and light and, you know, spaciousness that you go for. Could you talk maybe talk us through, is it Hubert Place? Hubert yeah. Place,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, we picked that up for just under 150. Um, and kind of talking in broad numbers, we spent around about 100 grand on it. Um, that was to go from it's the state that we got it in, which was, I mean, it looked like a kind of a drug den out of train spotting. It was really, it was pretty awful. Um, so obviously everything was was gutted. We took a couple of walls out internally, structural walls, so there was steel work that had to go in. We didn't extend anywhere, but we did pretty much everything you could do other than, uh, you know, build new building. Um, you know, it didn't have any central heating. It didn't have... Um, Oh, yeah, no, it had, a, it had electricity, but every room was kind of metered individually. Um, so everything went. And then to get to, like I say, you know, professionally photographed, HMO license, absolutely everything done. Was furniture. About, the furniture, everything, yeah. It was about 100 grand. Um, we got it. We'd had the – we got it on a bridging loan um, and developed with cash and then remortgaged once we'd, once we'd finished the works the and we, we took the bridging loan and we were taking the mortgage with your book and they send their valuer out before you take the bridging loan for him to give you know the bank his estimate of what it'll be when you finish the works so it's a kind of pre estimate he comes out again afterwards of course but he does this pre estimate and he'd given us a pre estimate of uh, two fifty and at that point our budget was slightly lower so we thought okay well that'll, you know that'll clear off. Um, you know, what we, what we buy it for and what we spend on it. Um, we ended up spending a little bit more, but then when he came out, he revalued it at 300. Um, so that was, you know, that was a, a pleasant surprise. Um, and again, it just shows, you know, look, it, you know, it was just one person, one valuer, maybe he was having a good day, you know, let's, you know, we we don't want to get kind of too excited and think that that's going to happen every time. Um you know, but the flip side is look, that was a product of, you know, a well designed house that's earning a good rent because it's, you know, it's just doing um, you know, it's doing things right. And I think the other thing is he also I've met this guy a couple of times now, three times in fact he's valued another house for us. And he's very much, you know, he's interrogating us as well. He wants to understand our level of professionalism. Um, and he, I, th- I think he's also, certainly from the questions he was asking, he was probing the kind of long-term sustainability of it. He was talking about the purpose-built accommodation in town and he was talking about other properties um, you know, that other people have. And I think he was really trying to get a feel for, yeah, okay, this is earning this rent now, today, but what's going to happen in a few years' time? Um, so, you know, I, th- I think what he... Well, I hope what we conveyed was that that's, you know, from a financial point of view, that's at the forefront of our mind as well, which is long-term sustainability. You know, it's all very well having a great place that earns money now. But what happens in five years? You know, are you still going to be competitive in the marketplace? Um, You know, so...
1: And so a big thing for us is always space, isn't it? When I mean, we look, we won't go anywhere near anything that, that hasn't got um maximum space for, you know, especially for student accommodation. These students are going to be in their rooms studying. Um also, you know, we're gonna provide co um a um open plan space um for communal living um but obviously they spend a lot of time in their bedroom as well so obviously we need to make sure that they have maximum daylight in their bedrooms they have enough space to exercise if they want to exercise that they have all this this space in their bedroom um so they're not stuck in a sort of a a dark box because obviously that's not going to help with their health at all
0: yeah, that's that's really interesting. And that product you mentioned, the bridge to let with Shorebrook is is a is a great product. I think Precise do it as well. for anyone listening, um, it it works really well. Uh, and I think that that's quite interesting that the surveyor was you know interrogating and prodding you. I think a lot of the stories I've heard, the surveyor just kind of comes in, says, "Well, I show me a valuation pack. I'm not really going to look at it. You know, looks around and then goes away and does evaluation. So that's quite interesting to hear that you've had kind of an experience where you've been interviewed and i you know i think that's probably better because you have another level of defending the valuation and showing them why it's worth something
2: absolutely absolutely you know it's 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 definitely better if you're you know if you're prepared and if you're if you kind of have done your homework and you've you know you're you know you're going to stand up to the interview i guess if not then it's not good (laughs) um but um yeah, I, I mean, I, I found the chap, you know, very professional and, and very good. Um, he was a nice guy on top of that as well. And, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, look, you know, who knows what he's, you know, thinking behind the scenes, but certainly my impression of it, you know, the experience and of him was that he was, you know, doing a thorough job. Yeah. Of and course, if given as a down valuation, I'd be, you know, <laughs> you know what the, hell, <laughs> the hell was he doing? He was- Spent all this time chatting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, you know, you, you mentioned something interesting that he mentioned purpose built student accommodation. Now, a lot of people, when you say, oh, you know, I'm considering HMOs in this area, or, you know, what about HMOs here? A lot of NASAs will say, oh, yeah, well, they're building all these towers and blah, 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 blah. So, how do you compete with and and how do you see the future of? And this is, I guess, a much wider question as well. The future of, you know, HMOs like yours versus those kind of typical student blocks.
2: I think there's always going to be a market for student houses. Um, the, sorry, our dog is... Uh, our dog is... It's crazy hour for our dog, so if you hear some <laughs> rustling and woofing in the background, that's what it is. Um, yeah, look, purpose-built blocks have been going up um, you know, for a long time, and I'm sure more will continue to go up. There are very popular institutional asset you know, asset class and you know, they bring a lot of positives, certainly you know, where we operate there's new blocks going up in fairly run down areas of the city which I think is going to regenerate them and it's going to be positive as long as they get the mix right, if it's 100% students over too wide an area and there's no retail or nothing else you know, in the summertime for example um, the place will you know, will be uh, a bit kind of empty and and, uh, and void of, of life, but but if they can get that right, I think that's a positive. They're certainly a positive for you know people who want the excitement of living in an apartment in the city and feeling like they're you know they're growing up and doing all those things. Certainly, they're popular with um, a lot of foreign students who I guess perhaps are coming in, um, you know, and don't have you know maybe their senses that they're I don't know they they just want that kind of they want that lifestyle. Um, but a lot of our tenants come and they say, oh, you know, we want a home. We want somewhere that feels like a home. They want a house with their own front door, with their own lounge, you know, the the, the purpose built stuff. It's very expensive. Um, it's very pokey, you know, or to get some, it, of it, some, some of it, some of it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, even the bigger stuff is, you know, it's very, very expensive, you know, kind of per square foot to get something reasonably sized. Um, you know, they can have a lot of bells and whistles. They can look really fantastic. And I'm sure they will continue to remain popular, but I think there will always be a demand for high-quality HMOs. I think, sorry. Uh, no, I'm, sorry, I'm just going to finish off. The, I think the, the poor-quality HMOs, I think they're going to suffer because why the hell would you want to go and live in some you know, awful place? And even the average ones, that will put more pressure on those. Um, but the high-quality ones, I think there will always be a demand.
1: I think um, a lot of them as well are, are studio design. They're, they're designing sort of studios within the purpose-built blocks, which mm. isn't very good. I mean, for first years, that's that's great, you know, because you don't know anyone and you're going to university. That's that's great if you don't know anyone and you want your own space. But also when, when you first go to university, you want to meet people. So you're not sort of in those um, sort of, groups of you know you're not meeting people very well um but then the second years we our market is really for second and third years Mm. um who have already got their groups they've met on on campus and they've been in in halls with sort of five or six people and it's those groups that then want to come and live off campus and live in a in an hmo um, so we we generally get those people who are so excited to get into their own house and have sofas and have open plan space because they have been used to having sort of small dining table in the kitchen with no sofa and and that sort of thing. So that's what we find anyway that we we're getting a lot of all the people that come to us um, just want a group and they want
0: like a home from home. And how do you find? I'm guessing finding tenants, looking at the pictures of your properties, is is fairly straightforward but how do you find the right sort of tenants especially if they're coming in as a group on one ast how do you find the right sort of tenants they're going to look after your property and not be a pain to manage
1: you never know you (laughs) never (laughs) never know i mean we honestly we've we've met a lot of a lot of students we've met a lot of young professionals we've you, you know we've all met lots of people in our life you know you never know and people that you think you can trust you can't trust and so you never you never know you can't do that from just one meeting we i mean we obviously we get guarantors we meet the people we face to face meet everybody um but we do get we get guarantors the parents are guarant- well typically the the parents are guarantors and we had um just to just a joke about this we had we actually had a tenant living in one of our properties who we thought was wonderful. And then the next minute he was arrested, wasn't it? we got a phone oh, call. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, he disappeared. He was... and so you he'd never... to prison, wasn't coming yeah, back. Yeah, you never oh. know. You never know. And we've, you know, we've... we've... It, was, it was a
2: professional, actually,
1: not a... Uh... Yeah, it was a professional.
2: Not a student. And, so,
1: and then we left um, a land uh, a management company. Um, when we first got into this, we thought we'd learn a lot from a management company. So we decided to, to let somebody else manage our first property um, and then he ended up on Rogue Traders. So, so you never know. You never know who you meet. So yeah, no, we we obviously take, a, uh, you know, we, we do the guarantor checks and the tenant checks. and Yeah, so we get guarantors. Um, but we can't, you know, you can never, you never know, do you?
2: It's back to that bell curve, you know. Most people are decent. Some people are awful. Some people are amazing, you know. And it, But it's just dealing with, other humans
0: yeah (laughs) absolutely and then and then are you self-managing your hmos we are yes at the moment we are
1: yeah we we um we did yeah as i said we used a management company because we thought that we wouldn't we would learn everything about what to do but we actually learned um about not what to do what not to do (laughs) so we we decided pretty quickly that we we knew a lot more than than we thought we did um and yeah, and then we've we've self managed ever since then.
0: Wow. And how many HMOs do you have in your portfolio? We've got um we've got five
2: and we're on with three more um at the moment, two with other investors and one with ourselves. And actually we've got another one that we're also purchasing. I and mean, then you've got a flat in Manchester as well. Yeah, yeah. Um just just to come back to that kind of self managing. I mean, that's a big part of our I suppose our pitch to the students is that, um, and I say that in a kind of genuine way rather than, you know, some kind of shallow promotional way, but, you know, what we realised is that we were able and we wanted to provide a really good level of service, and then what we realised was actually it's not just customer service, you know, it's not just kind of we want to do well when they pick up the phone and ask us a question. It's the whole customer experience from the first time they interact with us, maybe that's seeing us on a university website or brochure, maybe it's social media, whatever it is, you know, through to meeting us, you know, signing tenancies, um, although obviously all the way through the tenancy. Afterwards, we really want to take, we want to take care of them. We want to provide a good service um, and, you know, we want to manage that kind of customer experience and that process and all those touch points um i mean look we've still got lots to improve on but it's here's something that we take seriously and we you know there's a kind of authenticity and the kind of level of care that goes in and people it's hard to convey that at first to someone because they're like yeah well everybody says that you know why should i trust you um but i think they do you know start to get it and they see the signs and they see the testimonials and they see the care that goes into various elements where you know perhaps you know otherwise you know with other people there may not be um and
1: i think i mean we are we're parents um and you know every single student that goes into that property we know we know you know we we get to meet them and we get to know them and i think that's really important because i think that's really important for them as well knowing who owns the property and you know if there is something that goes wrong we want to know about it you know it's it's our investment as well so we need to know if there's something wrong and they need to be able to contact us straight away and and we work like that and you know it, it works well that at the moment you know with level that we've got you know we've not got millions of them so we you know we've got 25 students at the moment that we can manage um successfully And, you know, we've got WhatsApp groups for each house so they can contact me, you know, for anything that that goes wrong with the property. I mean, we, we, you know, we go around. If a light bulb doesn't work, we will go and fix that. You know, if there's something that doesn't work, we want to know about it straight away. And, you know, we will do, you know, simple things like that. Um, Yeah, I
0: think you know it's what you said before right about the customer experience and I think you know property can be more passive than than you have it but because you enjoy it so much and you want that customer experience you go above and beyond you know I think most investors would say light bulb Pff, no I'm telling the tenant you better go in the drawer and fix it yourself but you know you go to that level and and but by going to that level it obviously takes more time and more effort even if that's you know half an hour in the car and then half an hour back so how have you both managed to raise a family just, and, and a dog and then <laughs> and balance it do you like yeah, do you we, have a we routine don't, or? we
1: don't do the light bulbs ourselves I just <laughs> we, we do do we, we do do it and we can and i can change a light bulb but no we don't do it. No, we have got a great management guy that that is in lancaster that we just you know text and say please go around and change a light bulb or change this i mean the majority of them can do it but it's just yeah. that example that you know, something as simple as changing a light bulb. They're there to study. They're paying us rent. You know, it doesn't bother me that. You know, if they if they, if they want that service, that's fine. You know, that's that's what we're here for. I mean, I think at the beginning, I think the really important thing is that if you get irritated by somebody phoning you, like the tenant phoning you about something, that's when it sort of is has gone wrong. I think that. You need—they are your customer, and you need to—you know—you need to be on their side. Um, So you need to make sure, it, like I mean, Tom's got all these great examples about Amazon and, and places like that. Con, you can. Well, I, I mean, I was, I was thinking
2: about this the other day. You know, I Amazon mean, I mean, is it, you know, Uber and stuff like that. You know, they're—I think the reason Uber's you know booming is ultimately what it does is reduces friction, doesn't it? You know, it, it you know, you just you get out of the cab and you don't have to worry about getting cash out, etc. And you know, of course there's that app and stuff like that, but heaps of company you taxi companies have apps and you know, I think that's what's made it successful, and that's really what the kind of you know, the light bulb point, for example, you know, we say we are authentic in our level of kind of care and we want to provide a good service, and what that, you know, a big part of that is is reducing the kind of friction between you know, the customer and the kind of, you know, the end state that we want and that they want, which is their enjoyment of the house, you know, their stress-free enjoyment of the house. So if it does mean taking care of a little thing like that for them and that reduces the friction between them and that kind of desired end state, um, then, uh, you know, then, then we're going to go and do it.
0: Yeah. No, that, that makes that makes absolute sense, you know, and I think also what I was kind of asking is how do you balance all of this with, raising a family like do you have a certain routine do you have cutoffs? do you like what for the people who are listening you have families and who are saying i have so much to do at home let alone in my business how do you both manage everything
2: um <laughs> we 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 don't sleep much we drink <laughs> lots of coffee <laughs> um no i i mean it's you know well like phil said you know it's not just us you know we've got great uh you know network of people be them maintenance men or you know architects or um you know finance people people that we can just rely on and you know send a quick text or or whatever to and they're on the case and we work with them well enough or long enough rather that they know what we want you know they know how we like to do things and they're on board with that um and yeah look i mean how do we manage it i don't know you just um you know we kind of set our you know, so we kind of, you know, have our priorities and the things that are important to us and we focus on those. And, you know, as part of being, you know, busy with the poverty business and family and, and you know, obviously I've been working full time as well. Um, it's just an acceptance that, listen, we're going to focus on the, the stuff that's really important to us and the stuff that's going to kind of move the needle, so to speak. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get done, you know, the kind of the less important things that we have to put to one side and say yeah we'll get to that you know um you know when the time is right but kind of prioritizing well
1: i think i mean we have got a a great team behind us so i mean we're not we haven't painted any walls in any of our properties have Mm. we we've not we've not been hands-on with any of the the you know the building work or anything so we have a great team behind us we've got a great management um maintenance guy who has been a Mm. lifesaver really Um, but also we we as you said you know we enjoy it if we didn't enjoy it we wouldn't do it we wouldn't get up early in the morning and and you know work before the kids get up but this is our passion we've always been in the built environment you know and we really see and we really believe that we'll make a difference to these people's lives you know these students lives and we can make a difference um and it's about creating beautiful beautifully designed spaces um that you know and we we're, we're just passionate about that so if we didn't have that then we wouldn't we wouldn't get up but yeah, we're sure. also we're also incredibly lucky because you know Tom's now just leaving his job we're able to go into this as a business as a family business um we've done this for 7 years you know we've both worked in offices we've both worked in jobs that we've hated you know we now are doing something that is providing us with an income um, that I'm able to watch my children grow up you know for the last seven years um raise a family you know and it's it's and work when we want to really um you know it's allowed us to the kids have been on site you know they've been on all the building sites you know they they have been to every student house you know all the students know the kids it's it's you know it, it just works you know it works around our family life which is brilliant so um, but and we we wouldn't do it if you know if it we wouldn't go into this level of detail if it, you know the level of um, the level of whatever the word is <laughs> it's late effort. at night I can't even speak yeah level of effort um, you know if we didn't enjoy what we do and we we obviously do so you know we'll we'll go all out for it
0: yeah and how important is mindset to success in property investment.
2: Um, well, I think you could have stopped before you even mentioned property investment. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's everything in everything, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it it determines, you know, the course of your day, you know, and that determines the course of your week, your month, your year. And before you know it, you know, you can, you know, either fritter away time at an alarming rate or, you know, make enormous, enormous progress. Um, I mean, it's funny the you know, the thing I often kind of laugh to myself about is I remember, you know, before kids, you know, we'd kind of wake up on a Saturday and, you know, I'd now have a long breakfast and go to the gym and think, oh, you know, I wonder what we should do today. And I used to think sometimes like I didn't have any time back then. And now I just think, Jesus, God, if I could go back in a time machine and <laughs> shape myself and say, like, my God, man, you know, you have got more time than you know what to do with. Um, and each kid we have, with- <laughs> we. Well, well, that, 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 that's the interesting thing. I mean, you know, we, like Phil said, you know, we kind of got the first house, I don't know, six, seven years ago or something. But we, it wasn't, you know, right. We're going to go all guns blazing. We're going to make property this big thing. It was like, great. You know, I'm in my full time job. That's, you know, that's that's my career. That's all good. And you know, this gave Philippa, you know, um, you know, something to kind of, you know, really sink her teeth into work wise. Um, and develop that but it was it was always kind of bubbling along relatively slowly we weren't in a rush
1: yeah we've got one house you per know. year didn't we yeah, it we, it? Exactly. Was no rush
2: yeah it. we kind of we kind of got about one a year and we were just doing it ourselves when working with any investors and, and and we'd had um you know around that we'd had various kind of entrepreneurial business ideas between us that we constantly make fun of each other about um it's because they never, they never got off the ground. They never went anywhere. And looking back, you know, yeah, thank yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Th- thankfully so. Because what we've got now is, you know, really fantastic. Um, but then we were, you know, we were chatting um, to. I mean, our first investor was actually um, our brother-in-law, and he was, you know, we were just kind of running through the numbers and showing him our kind of website, and he just said, "Look, you know, these look fantastic. You know, my business is doing well. I've got some spare money. Can I invest in the next one, please?" And that was this kind of light bulb moment of like, huh, why are we messing around with all these silly ideas for, you know, toiletries, that was my idea, by the way, and jewelry, and all this other stuff. And that was his idea. Yeah, no, it? no, <laughs> And, um, you know, let's go all out on property. And and then that was like, right, okay, now we're really going to start working at it. And Then it was like, right, you know, kids go to bed, it's work time, you know, early alarm, wake up, it's work time till they wake up and you know, obviously... You know, you know, I mean, myself, I was, you know, obviously going to work in, in the day and Phil was busy with the children in the day. So, yeah, you know, we've been at it really in earnest trying to grow something, you know, for the last year or so. And now, you know, when we finally, you know, as of next Wednesday, there'll be much more, I suppose, balance between us. We'll be able to share, you know, the school runs. We'll be able to share looking after our youngest daughter more. And, you know, the other one will be able to really, you know, um really work at it and you know it's kind of like the, the brakes will be off then and we'll be you know we've got we've got some exciting plans.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so Philippa, you've gone full time into property already and Tom, you're you're heading that way. So are there yeah. any tips or advice or things people should prepare before they make that jump?
2: Yeah, I mean we certainly and look our our experience and our advice is based on our reality, which is we've got a family. You know I mean when we were you know before we had kids we i mean literally we we decided to kind of move to the other side of the world on a on a whim really, and we did it and then you know the thinking was well, what's the worst that can go wrong now when you ask that question, well, actually, we've got three kids and they're in school, and you know we we like the house that we live in, and you know we've got a car and we've got mortgages and so what's the worst that can go wrong? there's actually you know some bigger things that could go wrong, so we were we were i certainly was relatively Cautious, you know. I, what, what? I was, you know, I wanted to build up, um, you know, a, a good, build ourselves up a good level of income before we, before we did that, before we made the switch, or before I made the switch. Um, so we were kind of doing cash flow forecasts and looking at best case scenarios, worst case scenarios, and you know, running through things with the mortgage advisor. Um, very, very important because obviously mortgages are, you know, if you're going to do anything at any rate. Um, The chances are you're going to need mortgages. So you need to be aware of, you know, your lending uh, ability once you're suddenly not employed and don't have a, you know, a a steady income coming in. Um, We went, we kind of took all our plans to the accountant to get her to run through them and basically said, right, this is what we think. Have a look at it and tell me if there's any holes in it. What have we missed? And you know she went over things and came back and said, "No, I don't think you've made. You know, it's a couple of minor points, but generally speaking, it all you know it all looked okay. She wasn't advising on is it a good idea or a bad idea?" Of course, we knew she was never going to say that, <clears throat> but the question was you know am i am i uh, you know am I being silly looking at these forecasts? you know are they correct or are they wildly inaccurate um and And once we kind of had all those things lined up, then it was just a matter of right well." You know, don't bottle it. Just go and hand your resignation in and, you know, make make the jump.
0: Hmm. Okay, cool. Solid tips for everyone listening. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what you've done and what you're doing. So what is in the pipeline for the future of fat properties?
2: So we are currently developing um, more student houses and, and certainly the aim I mean, I mean, the really big goal really is to kind of change the conversation. I think in property circles, away from just focusing on profit and on, you know, like you said earlier, hey, buy some houses, make loads of money. You know, like yeah, you, everyone needs to make money. Everyone needs to put, you know, bread on the table, and you know, it's great to have a lovely lifestyle. But you know there's enough knowledge and people out there i think that you know that um you know you can do that so the next question is well what kind of positive impact can you make while you're doing that you know who else can you help other than just yourself um you know not that there's anything i'm not saying that's selfish you know we all need to do that but certainly <clears throat> being able to i think grow a property business which develops you know an outstanding product to its customers, to the tenants that really looks after them and caters to them, caters for them really well, um, you know, and and allows, you know, the developers and the investors to be making a genuine positive impact in that way, I think is, you know, is a pretty exciting kind of um, thing that, you know, we want to be involved in. And there are lots of people, you know, look, we're not the only ones. There are lots of people doing some great design work out there. You know, and starting to have conversations like that, and we most certainly want to be, you know, up there in that pack of people. You know, there's some people doing some, you know, uh, some exciting work in some other sectors as well, all around well-being, um, and uh, yeah, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the big goal. And of course, you know, develop more properties. Um, we want to expand out to other cities. So hopefully, towards the end of this year, we'll go out to. To other cities, kind of offering you know the similar accommodation um, offer that we that we do currently in Lancaster. So there's lots of, um, you know, lots of exciting things happening. Yeah, lots of exciting things happening, and lots of you know, um, you know, uh, objectives. You know, get to X number of cities, get to X number of rooms. You know, grow revenue by X. But really, you know, the meaningful thing to us is if like I say, is if, um, you know, the conversation started to include much more on, you know, making positive impacts through Hmm. public development.
0: Okay. I like it. And then, you know, I see you on Instagram a lot, and that's kind of where I found you from. Hmm. How sort of important has Instagram been to your company and your brand? And I guess maybe where you are today and and finding investors.
1: Um, Well, Tom was Tom was on Instagram a lot uh, before me and then coaxed me into going on to Instagram. And I was like, oh, no, I've got too much to do. I don't want to go on Instagram. Um, but then, yeah, no, since I've been on, which is probably about a year, and that's the Fat Properties <laughs> no, um, Instagram. No, I like some kind of crack addict. No, gonna no, fix. <laughs> yeah, I have a love-hate relationship <laughs> with it. Um, but to be honest, with, with, with Instagram, we haven't had many... We haven't had investors through Instagram, have we? Mm-hmm. It's mainly been through LinkedIn and through Facebook that people have contacted us. I think the, the LinkedIn is mainly, um, Instagram has mainly been people in a similar position or people that are, is either the students or people, other property developers, wouldn't you mm-hmm. agree? Especially for my, my account. Yes, yeah.
2: I mean, I suppose there's a kind of general profile raising yeah. and one thing leads to another and... Um you know it, let's say something came with this podcast, uh, someone got in contact because they say hey we heard you on Tej, well if you contacted us because you saw us on Instagram then Instagram was important it might not just have been the, the trigger so, yeah. Um so you know it, it's all look. you know we're finding a way with all this stuff and it's interesting you know we kind of sat down and realised the other day that a lot of our Instagram is focused on looking at um you know what our peers are doing which is really interesting and we love being part of that community but we were like hold on a lot of our content is aimed at them and actually our content should be aimed at you know our students and at potential investors and what what we're really doing is just spending time chatting to our friends you know which is all good fun which is good fun and it's under the umbrella of you know professional development and you know inspiration and learning more um but it's certainly you know Thinking about the content that we put out is definitely something that we are um, we're looking at. You know, it's one of the one of the first things we'll be doing, you know, probably when I when I finish work and we're both spending more time is to sit down and say, Okay, let's let's really plan this out and you know, and really start conveying what we're about and our values and you know, A, our values and B providing value to the people we want to provide value to and really focus on that. Um, you know, rather than like more likes or something.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know what, with with adding value comes likes, comes engagement anyway. So as long as you focus on delivering what whatever your message is, you know, that, that kind of stuff, as you know, will, will definitely come with it. So my last question before we get to the quickfire round is, is there a resource, platform, app, bit of technology that you just can't live without?
2: Probably signable now. That's yeah. that's made things
0: yeah. a hell of a lot easier. Uh, you know, it's like um docu
2: sign or it's like a it's a PDF. It's a, an online you know digital signing app. Um, it's things super easy.
0: Do you find that lenders accept that?
2: No, sorry, sorry, I was talking about our management there. Ah, no, okay. L- no, lenders don't accept it. For no, so the contracts, it's absolutely. The contracts. Pain. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so annoying.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, for the tenants and also, you know, loan agreements, you know, with, you know, private investors and clients and things like that. No, with with the lenders. No, we're still in the dark ages, aren't we? Roll on the blockchain. Yeah, <laughs> right,
1: signable so. because you've got to have so many documents that they've got to see now, um, you know, as a legal requirement. It's actually brilliant signable because you can actually, obviously you've got proof that they've had all these documents and mm, they've seen mm. these documents. So yeah. that, that works brilliantly rather than sort of paper copies and going around and, and just sort of, um, saying yeah they've seen it or or an email and they could say it went to a different address or whatever yeah. they've actually seen this you know yeah. the unsignable
0: oh, I like that it's de-risking yourself and, and you yeah, pro- know providing insurance for yourself as well that these things have it's, happened.
1: It, it is
2: double whammy you know double whammy is de-risking it and it's making things far more efficient
0: I like that so I'm going to hit you with the quick fire round now so these are quite short snappy answers but it's totally up to you how you want to answer them so First one is, what are the biggest three mistakes that you've made in property?
2: I'll go first with number one. Oh. <laughs> Not trusting our gut instincts when we engaged the managing agent on our first property, the guy that we had to take to court to get money that had stolen from us. Mm-hmm. Number
0: two
1: and three. Thanks. Nice. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness me. I don't think there are. I, don't, I can't think of any. I can't think of any.
0: It must be things you look at and think, oh, damn it, why do we do I that? mean, it's, it's,
1: it's all to do with uh, painting a kitchen red.
0: Okay, that's, that's yeah. an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably. Yeah,
2: don't, don't, don't like that kitchen. Yeah. Um, and, and lastly, oh, um, that's a tough one. It's a tough one.
0: Maybe this is, highlights oh, this, your this, mindset, right? This is how you what, look at it positively. You know,
2: what? It, it, it's a very good point. You know, it's, it's um, yes, look, we've not got time to focus on the negative aspects of things. Of course, you deal with negative issues, but it's like, look. It's all been you know, a learning curve. You, either deal with it, learn from it, yeah. you know, progress on from it. You know, we've, I mean, you know, we've made heaps of mistakes, but they're all learning. And what I find, sorry, I'm not, this is not a quick snappy answer. <laughs> But the design side of things, like we both love design, and Philip is very much the kind of design lead on everything. But there's also design of, like, you know, how's the business going to operate, you know? Um, there's that side of design as well, and that's great. And all those things that go wrong are just learning points, information points to help you design better.
0: So Yeah. No, I, I like that. It's, I like it's a journey approach. Yeah, it, it definitely is. <laughs> um, and then I guess sort of conversely to that, what are your top three tips for people who are new in property investment?
2: define and articulate your values, like really what you're about. Is it design quality? Is it, you know, low cost efficient? You know, are you the no frills, low cost person? If so, brilliant, go for it. You know, don't worry about, you know, Pinterest so much and don't go down that rabbit hole. Understand what makes you tick and just go all out on it. And, you know, the right people. What gets you
1: out of bed in the morning? Yeah, the the, the right
2: people will come your way and the wrong people won't bother and both are good.
1: Yeah. And I think if property doesn't get you out of bed in the morning, if you're not excited and, and, you know, you're not so excited when you pick up the keys for your house that you've bought and, you know, want to spend your life just doing it up, and whatever, then get a management company. Get yeah. somebody else to look after yeah, it. Don't, you know, if you're going to be fed up with with tenants phoning you up all through the day and like, get a management company, you know, don't put yourself through that. Um, you know, there are people out there that will look after it for you and hopefully do a, a good job
0: okay and then i normally ask what are your top three goals for the future but i think we've kind of been through what you're going to do in the future earlier so maybe i'll ask what are the top three books that you've read or listened to that have helped and or changed you um
2: i'll tell you one i've just read just finished absolutely fantastic book, 24 assets by daniel priestley um Seeing as you want a short, snappy answer, I won't go into it too much. But if you are at all interested in business, read that book. It is fantastic.
1: Or any Daniel Priestley book. Yeah, or any
2: Daniel Priestley book. I mean, yeah, he has got, got four
1: out of it. I think he's got he's another a, one out. It's coming out. Yeah, I mean, he's a, yeah. Yeah,
2: he's, a, he's a bit of a genius. But um, 24 Assets is fantastic. Probably the book that got me started on all the kind of personal development stuff was The Seven Principles of Highly Effective People. I remember finding out my mum's coffee table. Oh, it's like twenty years ago or more, I don't know more more than that, and it you know it just opened my eyes to like, wow, here's actually you know the the concept of thinking about the way you think and you know um and the way you operate, and that you know you can actually change the way you think and the way you operate, and it might have an impact on your life it, it, you know that's what opened my
1: eyes to all of that stuff and all the other books and learning books and things like that, so and there's some great property books out there. There's Sam Zuzhli book and then um, Rob Moore as well. There are lots of property-related books that can give you a different a different perspective on, on different mm-hmm. ideas and property. But yeah, the, we have books and books and books. <laughs> We've got a lot of <laughs> different books. And I think that's interesting as well. Have a look at what books you're reading at the moment because that obviously shows, you know, what you really are interested in. And all ours are sort of health, um, property, and sort of... And business. And business, yeah. 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 So yeah. I think that's that shows well, us what we're, what we're all about. Yeah, it does. It's, um, the
2: convergence of our interests and our passions, and that's what the business does. Yeah. Um, focus on those those three things. I'll tell you, an interesting thing I saw the other day, it was actually a post, again, by Daniel Priestley, um, on social media, and there's all these people like, I'm going to read a book a week. I'm going to read, like, a fucking book a day, or whatever it was. All these people, like, saying these absurd things. Not absurd, but, like, extremely ambitious like really you going, to read a, you're going to read 52 books in a year i mean that's great but wow, that's a lot of information and he's put this post out saying no, no 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 read one book but do what it
0: says <laughs> i like and, that and and there's a
2: you know look i'm definitely in this bracket you know where i was like yeah give me more information i want to learn more i want to learn more and then you're like how much of this am i actually implementing only fractions of each one how about um i read a book recently and i thought you know what I'm not even going to read much more than this. I'm just going to, you know, we're going to, this is the way we're going to kind of start thinking about and structuring our business. Um, and yes, read one and actually implement it, I think is probably very good advice. Not not my advice, but, but I think it's very, very sage advice.
0: I like that. Quality over quantity. Take action on what you're reading. Don't just read it and... Well, exactly.
2: Otherwise, what's the point? You know, like you feel good. Like, hey, I know all this stuff. Well, so what?
0: Yeah, are you
2: doing
0: it? Yeah, that's very true. And what a good note to end on, everyone. Take action. Don't just read stuff. Don't just imbibe knowledge, but actually go out there, put it into practice, make mistakes, uh, yep. learn from them, and yep. keep doing it. So, Philippa and Tom, thank you so much for coming on thank the you. show. Thank if, you for the invite. No, no, of course. If people want to get hold of you, what's the best way they should do it?
2: Um, Fat Property at Fat Properties on the various social media channels that said Instagram is where we spend our time so if you DM us on Twitter we might get back to yeah, you yeah no a few Twitter we don't, we're not <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah um,
1: or info at Properties. yeah the way,
2: exactly the website's Fat Properties um, just Google Fat Properties and you'll you'll find us somewhere
0: amazing and actually just before we end it can you tell everyone why it's called Fat Properties
2: <laughs> I knew you I knew you'd ask that <laughs> why is it we, we, we were kicking around names for we wanted something that kind of summed up big spacious properties big rooms like what can you get in a big room i think we someone, did have a beast for a while so someone mentioned giraffe <laughs> yeah. and, and all these all these different things yeah. and then so i think Philippa kind of mentioned fat and also phil used to be nicknamed phil when she was younger like fil and then it was like phil and tom and fat and I don't know, it just <laughs> uh, and then it's it's like one of those things isn't it, it you know, sometimes I think, of it, I think is this is a really stupid name, but then, yeah. then it's very, you know, it's memorable, it's recognizable, and it's, um, you know, there's lots of brand names out there that are, if you thought of them in any other context, you'd think they're absurd, but they stick. And, you know, people know us as, you know, hey, Fat Properties, you know, um, instead of like, hey, Philippa or hey, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's fine hey look if if they are remembering it then that's that's good and it's easy
1: to spell so you know people can't go too wrong with it (laughs)
2: our our surname gets misspelled on a daily basis so uh, it was easier to to... And my first name so yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i like it to stay with fat (laughs) there's many reasons why it works so yeah look again thanks so much for coming on and thanks everyone for listening
2: yeah no thank you it was nice to um it was nice to chat If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.